Well, good evening. I am glad that you are here back for the Bible study. I need you to help me as we get started tonight. Uh, help me with the definition. Um, help me define this word. What does this word temporary mean? Give me a definition of it. Not permanent. Short term. Doesn't last very long. Okay, those are all very good definitions. Temporary. Uh, we're used to hearing about temporary workers. They're there short term. They're not permanent. They're, uh, they're not going to last very long. They're going to be there for a short time, whether it's a week or a month or maybe a year or whatever, but everybody understands that word temporary. <clears throat> now, not only are workers temporary, but we all have to come to grips with the fact that we are temporary. We don't usually think of it in that terms, but you really are temporary. Now, the definition, the, the literal dictionary definition, you all hit it right on the, the nail right on the head. The dictionary definition says, lasting for a limited time, not permanent. So that's a pretty good description of you too, isn't it? Description of all of us. We're lasting for a limited amount of time. We're not permanent. None of us are. Uh, my wife is not here tonight because she is at a funeral. One of her co-workers, less than 50 years old former co-worker, less than 50 years old, suddenly died uh, a few days ago. And so it's just another reminder that we are indeed temporary, only here for a limited number of time, uh, amount of time, and not permanent. Now, the Bible talks about this. I want you to open your Bibles. So we're going to use your Bibles to go to lots of different passages tonight. Well, I want you to go to Psalm 39, verse 4. I need somebody to read that for me. Psalm 39, Verse 4. I need somebody to read that for me. Yeah. Lord, help me to understand basically how temporary I am. That's what the psalmist is saying. How frail I am. Help me to know that my days are not unlimited, that my days are temporary. Uh, Psalm 90, now that you're in the Psalms, I hope you hope didn't sh- shut your Bible. Uh, Psalm 90, verse 10, and then again, verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 10, and verse 12. Who can read verse 10 for me? Thank you. So how old are we anticipating to live if everything goes well, what's well, kind of a good rough age there, according to that scripture? 70, or if you really push it good, maybe maybe 80. Look at verse 12. What does the verse 12 say? Yes. Teach us to number our days. Because our days are temporary. Our days are limited. Now, you were reminded of that just this year. If you got one of these anywhere hanging in your house, you had to get a new one, didn't you? Now, for, most, for lots of you, probably my age or younger, you don't even remember what this is because your calendar is on your phone. It's on your iPad. You, you, you don't have, but, but trust me, there are people still who have these, right? How many still have one in your home? Oh, look at that. I am surprised. I'm actually amazed. Okay, so you had to, 
why did you have to go get another one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, here's what, here's what a lot of people use. And then some people use this, all right? I'll just keep this. So, so no. <laughs> now, somebody said, well, no, why did you have to go get another one? Ran out of days. Because our days are limited, and the calendar is a reminder. Every, every month, you get that reminder, don't you? Because every month, this page is no longer useful. At the end of this month, I need a new one. And then at the end of this month, I need another page. And I keep going through the calendar page by page, reminder that my days are temporary, and these things aren't permanent. And then when I get to the very end of it, I need another one of these. Calendar is a reminder. January 2000, what? What happened to 2014? It's gone. It's gone. Time is moving quickly, and we, it's a reminder that we are temporary. But, believe it or not, there are some people, actually many today, who have a hard time accepting our temporary status. Uh, they are convinced that we can live forever. I'm going to give you some examples of that. Jerome Irving Rodell. Anybody ever heard of Jerome Irving Rodell? Uh, this goes back to the 70s, but Jerome Irving Rodell was a health food nut before the term was invented. As early as 1942, he was extolling the virtue of what we now call health food. He had a magazine called Organic Farming and Gardening. It hit it big, and he got rich off of it. He was a food fanatic all of his life. Uh, he swallowed 70 food suppl supplement tablets a day. And he spent 10 to 20 minutes a day under a machine that gave off shortwave radio waves, which he said boosted the supply of electricity in his body. Yeah. Uh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> on June 4, listen to this. On June 4, 1971, he was featured on the cover of New York Times, Sunday Magazine. He said in the article... I'm going to live to be 100 unless I'm run down by a sugar-crazed taxi driver. Now, remember, this was in the 70s. This was before living to be 100 was, kinda, was, was, it was not as common as it is today, although it's still not common. For instance, we had Miss Dorsey Fowler in our church who lived to be 103. I had a lady in my church in North Carolina. She lived to be 102, I believe it was. So we know people. We actually know people who can live to be 100 today. But in the 1970s, that was far less common. And so he made the prediction on June 4, 1971, on New York Times Sunday Magazine, I'm going to live to be 100. The next day, on June 5, 1971, he appeared as a guest taping a show called The Dick Cavett Show. Anybody remember that show? Well, he was on the Dick Cavett show, and they were interviewing him, and he made this statement. He said, I, I feel wonderful. He said, in fact, I've decided I'm going to live to be 100. And he slumped over, and he died of a heart attack. I got it right here. You could. Now, he didn't slump over immediately. They went to the next guest, and they noticed that his head was down. And Dick Cavett said... Mr. Rodell, are we boring you? And then somebody noticed he wasn't breathing. 
He had died. The man who was going to live to be a hundred declared it, and then he died. You know, I need to look that one up. I'm not sure. He wasn't a hundred, though. You can look that up and let me know. Don't look it up right now. We've got, we got other things to do. Here's another. Let's, let's get into more modern things. Let's get into more modern stories, because that was in the 70s. The British Broadcasting Corporation has had an article by Frank Swain in April 21, 2014. He wrote an article called How to Live Forever. And basically, I'm not going to bore you with the whole article, but basically the summary, if I could summarize the article in this one sentence, he basically said, we're developing the science and technology to cheat death. Now, this guy's serious. This guy's, like, serious about this. That if given enough time, we're developing the resources, we're developing the science and the technology to be able to cheat death. We're going to be able to live forever, he said. The one that disturbed me the most was a lady named Gennady Stoliarov, and I'm sure I'm not saying that correctly. She's a transhumanist philosopher. I had to look that up to find out what that is. Transhumanist is somebody that basically says, we're going to transcend this human predicament that we're in. And we're going to find, we're going to find a way to cheat death, is basically what that is. Well, she wrote a book. It's a children's book. She wrote a children, controversial children's book, and the title of the book is Death is Wrong. And in the book, she said, she encourages young minds to reject the fatalistic notion that death is inevitable. She said, and I quote, death is simply a technological challenge waiting for the appropriate level of money and manpower to solve it. Just given enough money, given enough manpower, given enough time, we will solve the dilemma of death. You don't have to be temporary. We can solve that problem. One more story, then we're going to get into the Bible. This one was July the 11th, 2014. Business Insider. Uh, the title is 10 Scientific Breakthroughs That Could Help Us Cheat Death and Live Forever. I want you to understand, this is something that's being talked about in lots of circles. People who, who think that they are extremely intelligent, or who really are extremely intelligent, are talking about this. They're very disturbed by the temporary status that we have. <clears throat> and I'm going to read the whole article, but just the first paragraph or two. It says... Over the past 150 years, human life expectancy in the developed world has doubled from 40 years to 80. That's nothing compared to what scientists want to achieve. A large group of researchers inside academia and out are working on... Now, notice she said a large group of researchers inside academia and out are working on ways to increase longevity. Listen to this sentence. Even Google... Got your attention? Young people, I got your attention now. Even Google has hired a group of futurists and well-respected scientists for Project Calico, a death-defying initiative. A recent Science Channel show with Morgan Freeman called Through the Wormhole interviewed physicists, futurists, and scientists about technology that they're working on that could greatly expand our lifetimes and maybe make it, make it so that we never die. Maybe 
maybe make it so that we don't have to be temporary. Now, my question, you you don't have to answer this out loud because I'm going to give you the answer. My question is, where does this desire to live forever come from? Now, don't answer that out loud, but think about that. But where, where does this, this hope, this desire to live forever come from? Well, thankfully, our Bibles give us the answer. Now, you got your Bible there. You're, you're in Psalms. Go on over to the right and find the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Somebody read Ecclesiastes 3.11 for me. Yeah. Here's where this idea, this concept of living forever has come from. It has not come from man. It has not come from Satan. But according to the Bible, it has come from God. The one and the only one who is eternal. And the Bible says that he has placed eternity in their heart, in our heart. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. You and I were made for something more than time, and we recognize that, don't we? Whether we're scientists or futurists or philosophers or we work in in the local drugstore, there's something within us that recognizes we were made for something more than this temporary world we're living on. We were made for something more than this short life of 70 or 80 years. You and I have eternity in our hearts. And that's, there's part of you that longs for something that will not end. That's what I want you to see. There is part of you that longs for something that will not end. There is a part of you that is itching to experience the eternal. We're longing to experience that. And it is a God-given longing. It's something God has provided us and put within us. You see, we, we were not created just to spend life on temporary things. We were not created to spend life just on temporary things. Hear that one more time. We were not created to spend life just on temporary things. But here's what so many people do. So many people are trying to find this by running after temporary things. They're trying to feel that longing. They're trying to find the answer to that emptiness. They they are trying to find that connection with the eternal that we all have. The problem is, they're using temporary things to try to fulfill that longing. Does that make sense? You've seen people do that. Maybe you've done that, right? We have that longing, that desire for, for... eternal things, and we're filling that desire with temporary things and temporary pleasures. 
So tonight I want to ask you the question, and, and we may have to go into next week. We'll just see how fast it goes. Tonight I want to ask you the question, uh, have you ever studied the word eternal? Have you ever done a word study on eternal? And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to do a word study. There's lots of different ways to study your Bible. You can study chapters of the Bible. You can study books of the Bible. You can study themes of the Bible. You can study doctrines of the Bible. You can study people in the Bible. But what I want to do tonight, and maybe next week, I want to do a word study with you. I want to study a word that's found in the Bible. And it is the word eternal. If you study the Bibles, and I hope you've got something to take notes with, so you can write down some of these things. If you study your Bibles, if you do a word study on the word eternal, you'll find that it's used three different ways in the Bible. You might want to write this down. The word eternal is used three different ways in the Bible. And so what we're going to do is look at those three different ways. We're going to walk through that. And again, we may not get through it all tonight. If not, we'll jump into it next, uh, next week. The first way that eternal is used is to describe God. That's pretty obvious, probably. But the first way that the word eternal is used, the most prominent way that the word eternal is used in the Bible, is to describe God. Genesis 21, 33. Open your Bibles. Genesis 21. Now, when you're doing a word study, just, just a word of reference here. Whenever you're doing a word study, the one, one of the ways you go about doing a word study is to see where the word is used first in the Bible. Where's the first place it's used? Or where's the first place in the Old Testament? Where's the first place in the New Testament? So where it is used first kind of tells you some things about that word. And the very first place where the word eternal is used in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 21. Verse 33, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called upon the name of the Lord, the eternal God. The eternal God. Now, just even looking at this board, we can get an idea of what the eternal God is. It, it, he's not temporary. He's eternal, which is the opposite of of temporary. The same phrase is used in Deuteronomy 33. Deuteronomy 33, by the way, that's another way, another method of doing the word study. It's not only where is this word used first, but also how is it used in that same word used in other passages, so we can compare passages. Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. It says, the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. Now, think about that for a moment. Again, just looking at at this, the eternal God is your refuge. Ladies and gentlemen, won't you know something? Your God is not temporary. And neither are his arms temporary. It says, but underneath are the what kind of arms? Everlasting arms. The everlasting arms of the eternal God. 
Now, we've talked about what temporary means. Help me define, I'm going to write this a little differently. Help me define the word eternal. Well, give me a, a definition of eternal. Unlimited, you said. No beginning, no ending. All right. I don't know if you remember Pastor Del McCoy was here last Sunday, and he referenced this in his message. And, and it, he talked about something that I'm sure lots of us have struggled with before. This concept of God being eternal. Now, the fact that he has no ending, we can kind of grasp that, right? That eternal means God has no ending. The, the part that we wrestle with is what? Yeah, he has no beginning. It's like, well, you know, because I, I know people who have lived a long time, I can concede that God, is gonna, God lives forever, that he has no ending, that he does not die. I can conceive of that. But, but, and you've asked this, I've asked this, kids ask this, where did God come from? Well, he didn't come from anywhere. He has always existed. Now, trying to get our little mind around that big concept is hard, isn't it? But what does the, how does the Bible, we've already looked at two passages. How does the Bible describe God? He is the what? Eternal God. He's eternal. He has no beginning. He has no ending. Look in Psalm 90, verse 2. Psalm 90. Verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were born. It's kind of picturesque language. But let's go to, let's go to verse 1. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Not just through my lifetime, but through all generations. Now, when I think about my father and my father's father and my father's father and my father's and the psalmist was saying, when I think back, God, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. And, and then he says, before the mountains were born, even before my family came about, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Uh, the psalmist recognized this is actually the Psalm of Moses. He, he recognized, you know, God, perhaps he was looking at some mountains one day and thinking about how long those mountains had been there. And he said, God, before these mountains came into existence, before they were born, you were already there. These mountains had a beginning. But you never had a beginning. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You are eternal. Now, I don't know how that hits you. That is very reassuring to me. It makes me feel safe. God is not like some of us who are here today and gone tomorrow. God will always be there. God is always someone I can turn to. God is always someone I can trust in. God is always someone I can 
talk to. God is always someone I can rely on because he is not temporary like me. He is different from me. He is what? Say it. Eternal. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You see, God's not like some of us. God will tell us his age. And his age is eternal. Isn't it funny how some people won't tell you their age? Now, Angie, today's Angie's birthday. You told us in one service, so tell us again, Angie, you're how old today? Angie is 50 today. That's right. So, so, not everybody's like that, though. I've, I've actually made the mistake sometimes of asking a lady. Let me give you a lesson to these young people. Don't ever, especially if there's some woman that's older, it's okay to ask the men. I don't know why. Some men. Some men, it's okay. But, it, but if, if, there's a, if there's a lady older than you, don't ever ask them how old they are. One guy did that. And this, it was an elderly lady. And, you know, he was kind of impressed that she was able to get around. And he was going to compliment her. He said, ma'am, how old are you? She said, sir, my age is my business. It kind of ticked him off. He said, well, looks like you've been in business a long time. <laughs> Can I tell you something about your God? He's been in business a long time. Look at verse 4. Psalm 90 verse 4 says, For a thousand years in in your sight are like a day that has gone by or like a watch in the night. God is eternal. He's not subject to time. He is not subject to time. A thousand years is like a day. That makes me feel safe. Because whatever my problem is in life, God's greater than my problem. Now, this is not, we are not going to get anywhere near through. I hope you'll come back so we can get through this. But here's the thing I want. I want you to understand. This is where I'm starting to get excited about the study. And maybe it won't hit you like it's hit me. But one of the things that I've learned in this word study is that everything about God, write this down if you're taking notes, everything about God is eternal. Everything about God is eternal. I'm going to give you lots of scriptures, and I want you to look them up quickly, and let's just kind of stand up, or, or, or you don't have to stand if you want to, but, but I want you to to uh, read them out loud for everybody. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 9. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 9. That's in the Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 9. All right, the Bible speaks here of God's eternal love. Look in Psalm 21, verse 6. Psalm 21, verse 6. Who's going to read that one?
give you the right one? Say that, read that for me again. 21.6. Okay, it says most blessed forever. Uh, in my translation, it says, verse 21, verse 6, Surely you have granted him eternal blessings. Eternal blessings. So God's blessings are not temporary. God's blessings are eternal. Let's read again. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 89. 119, verse 89. Who's got it? Read it. God's love is eternal. God's blessings are eternal. God's word is eternal. There, there's a sermon right there, but we'll keep going. Uh, Jeremiah 10.10. 10. Jeremiah 10.10. 10. He is the eternal king. You know, study, study history, ancient history, study, study world history, uh, and you'll see that there are kings after... There, there was this king and he reigned for this many years, and another king and he reigned for this many years, another king, because kings are what? Temporary, but not God. The Bible describes God as the king of kings. And one of the reasons he is the king of kings is because he is the king that is eternal. Look at another one. Um, Daniel chapter 4, verse 3 and verse 34. Doesn't it make sense that if he is an eternal king, he would have an eternal kingdom? And if he is the eternal king, then his dominion, his rule, how do you spell dominion? Is that right? We'll say that's right. His rule is an eternal dominion. Now, this is going to be a challenge. In fact, I'm, I'm going to, this is Bible drill time. All right? We're going to do young people against the old people. All right? Brad, don't fool yourself. So not to hurt anybody's feelings. We're going to do this group of people against everybody else. How's that? All right, you ready? Bible drill time. This is going to be a hard one. I love to say this book. Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 6. Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 6. Got to go, Steve. All right. Old people. Well, let's give it one for the old people. All right. All right, old man, read it for us. His ways are everlasting. His ways are eternal. What he does is eternal. By the way, listen, listen, listen. God doesn't have a temporary plan. You know, sometimes we say, well, well let's just kind of do this. This will be kind of a stopgap measure. To, to, God doesn't have those. His ways are eternal. 
Now, we'll make it a little bit easier. Uh, y'all want another chance? Come on, y'all, y'all want another chance. Uh, yeah, yeah, there we go. I like that. Yeah, we want another chance. I'm sorry. Who had it? Who had it? Next time, you're going to have to speak up. You're going to have to say it like Steve did. I got it! All right, here we go. Speak up this time. This is going to be an easier one. Romans one twenty. Read it. God's power is eternal. We're going to go quickly for just two more. Ephesians. Huh? Two for the old people. That's two for the old people. We've got two more left. So the young people, come on now, let's tie it up. All right, you ready? Okay, Ephesians 3.11. You got it. All right. Read it, Ephesians 3.11. All right. His power is eternal. His purpose is eternal. Last one, it's two to one. Last one, I'm not going to help you on this one. All right, Bible's closed. Oh, that's how you've been cheating. I got it now. <laughs> I forgot to say that, you know. That's how you've been cheating. I wondered how Brad was getting so many. Uh, he, he had it to the table of contents. Like, okay, got it. <laughs> okay, here we go. First Peter 5.10. is a good one to end on. First Peter 5. Read it. Good job. It's 3 to 1. We, old people win. Yeah. All right. All right, listen. What is it? I like to end on that one. God's glory is eternal. Mm. His glory is eternal. Now, I, I hope that you've made the list, and this is probably only a partial list, but as you look at that list, I want you to recognize something. Everything about God, everything connected to God, everything offered, listen, everything offered by God is eternal. Even when he made mankind, he put the desire for the eternal in our hearts. And too often people seek to satisfy that desire with things that are temporary. Everything that God does is eternal, including making you and me. Carry it to the very end. We're all going to live somewhere forever. Everything connected to God is eternal. 
The only place you can find lasting satisfaction, the only place you'll find lasting peace is when you have a personal relationship with the eternal God. God has made you for far more than the temporary things of this life. Amen? I tell you what, I've got two other things to, to go over, and there is no way we're going to get to that. How, this might be a good place to stop, and you'll get to leave a few minutes early because the old people turn to their Bible so quickly. <clears throat> they felt sorry. Thank you. Thank you all for taking it easy on the old people. Hey, guys, come back next week. And this is just the first way that the word eternal is used. But there are two other ways that the word is used. And when you put all three of those together, mm, God's going to do something if you'll come back and and see the, the, the whole picture of what the eternal God is up to. What the eternal God is up to in your life. What the eternal God wants for your life. I'll, I'll just give you a hint. The eternal God wants you to step out of this temporary world into this world. Now, of course, you, we'll talk about Jesus and all of that, but it's far more than don't run ahead and say, oh, okay, I know what that is. I'm, I'm not going to come. Now, you need to see how the Bible uses the, that word eternal in two other ways. You need to see how God has put this thing together. And I hope you'll be back next week and we'll talk about that. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. I want to talk to you before we leave. None of us is going to cheat death. Regardless of what the scientists are trying to do or hope to do or plan to do, None of us are eternal. None of us. Only God is. All of us are temporary. We don't know how long that is, but the word temporary means for a limited time. And that describes every one of us. The young people and the old people. We all have a limited time. I want you to think about that this week. And I want you to think about the fact God's placed eternity in your heart. That doesn't mean that you're saved. That doesn't mean that you're going to heaven. That means he's placed the desire in your heart to experience something that's more than temporary. And he's placed that desire there so that you would turn to the eternal God. He wants to give you what the Bible calls eternal life. Do you have that? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Tonight would be a great night. Sometimes people, I say, when did you get saved? And and from time to time, over the years, I've heard people say, Pastor, it was that Sunday night. It's that Sunday night when you taught about so-and-so. It's that Sunday night when you preached on so-and-so. It was that Sunday. What better? This is a great time, this Sunday night. You say, Lord, I'm just a temporary person and I'm a sinner. And I believe you've placed eternity in my heart and I want a relationship with you. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart.
make me clean and I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin. I ask you to come and live in me. Give me what only you can give. Eternal life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for coming into my life. I promise now to live my life, my temporary life for you. In Jesus' name. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, why don't you tell somebody tonight? Why don't you come up and tell me? Why don't you tell somebody else around you? Let somebody know you've made that decision for Jesus. God bless you. I love you. I hope to see you here Wednesday night for our study. You're dismissed.